Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Good morning, church. You know, I'm reminded uh, this morning of the words of the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I I live, but not uh, I, but Christ who lives in me. The scripture says, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who lived, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So thankful that as we uh, live this life, as we walk uh, in fellowship with Christ, that we don't walk in our own strength, uh, that truth and that reminder that uh, really the life of a Jesus follower is not uh, simply us doing all these things for Jesus. It's not us living for him, but it's him living his life in and through us. Uh, so grateful for uh, all the guests that are, are with us this morning. We appreciate you being, uh, being with us and, and just being uh, able to worship uh, together today. And uh, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we would love to hear from you. You'll, you'll see uh, in the, the seat backs around the room, you'll see uh, some welcome cards and, and just a way that you could uh, fill out a little bit of information, let us know. Uh, and you can put as much information as you want on there. We're not going to show up uh, at your house after lunch or anything like that, but we'd love to connect with you when you're uh, ready to connect with us. Uh, you can fill those out and you can turn those in uh, to some of our host team as, as you leave and they'll have a gift uh, for you and, and just be able to connect uh, and, and share a little bit about who we are uh, as a church and how maybe we could uh, serve your family. And so again, thank you so much for uh, just being here and being part of, of uh, this service today. Uh, we're in the midst of a sermon series called Abundant Life. And when we talk about abundant life, uh, no one, right, right, everybody wants to experience kind of a, a life of abundance, this abundant life that we, uh, that we have in, in Christ. We I've had a, a verse that's walked with us for kind of each week of the series. And in John 10, 10, the scripture says that the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. The thief comes only in some translations to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance, that you might have it abundantly. We're so grateful that because of the finished work of the cross, those who uh, have surrendered their life to him, those who are uh, in Christ, that they have eternal life. But not only do we have eternal life, we have abundant life now. Now today as we uh, walk through, uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today. And if you want to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Acts 2, we're going to walk through just uh, kind of around verse 41 through 47, and we're going we're gonna to connect in there. We may come back into that uh, in some coming weeks, but you can turn uh, there. And, and you know, there, there's a target statement I want to give us this morning, and it's going to point to the direction that we're going to go uh, today in uh, the service and, and, and really what it looks like to experience abundant life together. And so you'll, you'll see this on the screen. Uh, but, but here's the statement, right? Abundant life is experienced through union with Christ and connection in community as his family. I want you to just soak that in for a second. Abundant life is experienced through union with Christ 
and connection in community as his family. Now, sometimes people tell me I don't need uh, church. So sometimes people say, you know what, uh, I, I, I do just fine by myself on the hill, right? Well, uh, the scriptures would say that you need church, and, and we're going we're gonna to see that, but, but the church is not this building, right? We don't come to church. We don't come, and, and, and we come and gather and worship as the church, but the church is not a place we come. It is a community that is who we are. This is who we are as Jesus followers. And when we read the scriptures, uh, we understand that, that we need uh, the church, right? And, and while God doesn't need anything, uh, we need the church and the church needs us. We contribute as part of the body of Christ. We are connected. Uh, last week, we talked about this abiding relationship that we have uh, in Christ that, that uh, as we walk through uh, the first part of John 15, and we see that we are connected to him and we are connected uh, to one another as his family. Now, some people say, I, I, you know, I don't need that. You know, the scripture uh, says forsake not, Hebrews 10, 25 says forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. We get this picture uh, of how we're called to come together as the body of Christ. There's, there's uh, an encouragement there and admonishing to the church that we might spur one another along uh, toward good works, that we might come together and in the, in the ways that we connect. Uh, and, and I thank God for so many encouragers that are in this room that because of our connection and relationship together, that, that throughout the week, I'm receiving text messages and in groups that I'm in and in things that I'm part of, that I'm being encouraged and I'm being spurred along toward good works. I'm being spurred along toward a closer relationship with God. And we see that that, that is the way that it's supposed to be. Now, last night uh, was my brother-in-law's birthday party. And so we were over at their house and it got a little chilly and they built a fire. And so I, I wanted, you know, I really, really, really wanted to, I love, you know, object lessons and things being visible, but I decided that maybe it wasn't a good idea to have a fire and coals and somehow catch things on fire, and so I decided just a video for a bit. So you'll see, uh, first you'll see a, a fire. Now this was a, a fire that, that was burning, and there was just this beautiful glow that was there. There was this beautiful warmth about that, and I love to look at a glowing fire and just the, the light that it gives off, the warmth uh, that is shared in that. And it's just a beautiful thing. And, and so you'll see a video here in a moment. We uh, just took a coal and removed it from the fire. Now, I didn't realize how poor my video and skills were uh, until I watched this video back. So you can, uh, you know, kind of navigate that for uh, a minute. But you'll see this coal, as soon as it's removed from the fire, in less than a minute, you're going to see just an incredibly different look. You'll see it begin uh, to lose that glow. You'll see it begin to lose uh, that warmth that it had. You'll see it begin uh, to, to do those kind of things. And like coals in a fire, right? When we separate ourselves from uh, the body of Christ and we separate ourselves from fellowship with other believers, we grow cold and we, we, we experience kind of a, a similar thing that we're seeing here. But when we are together. And when we are growing in Christ together, there is a warmth and there is a, a light, right? And we, we read a lot of things in the scriptures. And because of our culture that we live in, a lot of times what we read in the scripture, we read things like go into all the world and make disciples. And somehow, a lot of times we read that and we, we look at so many of those things individually. And yes, we all have a responsibility in that. But when we read those things in the New Testament, it, it is plural, right? He's saying you. It, what he's saying is y'all, right? Like if, if there was a, 
a, a version, right, that, that brought in our southern lingo. He's saying, y'all, right? He's saying, y'all go into the world. Well, we see that Jesus said we are the light of the world, that we uh, are able to engage in the midst of this broken world and that we should reflect who he is in our life. And what we see when the church comes together, there's this beautiful sharing in Christ and there's this sharing, this generous sharing that happens among the believers and there's this joy that they experience. And so we're going to read some about that in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. I want to invite you uh, just to stand with me if you are able in honor of the reading of God's infallible, inerrant uh, word. And we're going to read these verses uh, this morning. You'll see those on the screen as well. And beginning in verse 41, we read this. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And everyone kept uh, feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. We read uh, that all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being Saved. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we are so grateful to be part of your family. God, we're so thankful, Lord, for the beautiful uh, example and the beautiful uh, things that we're able to see in uh, just really the birth of the church. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us this morning, God, to see, uh, God, your plan for your church and, God, how we connect in with one another, Lord, how as an overflow of, uh, Lord, our, our, our relationship with you, that we have relationship with one another, and Lord, how you use that, Lord, in, in incredible ways in our life to grow us to look more like you, Lord, to conform us to your image, Lord, how you use that to encourage us, and Lord, ultimately, how you use that, Lord, as we are sent out on mission for the glory of your name. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that you would have your will in every life. God, I pray that we would uh, leave here with, with a, a perspective change, God, with a, with a stirring in our hearts that, that only could come from the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would uh, draw those that are, uh, God, far from you. Lord, if there's someone here that has never experienced your grace and your mercy, Lord, I pray that this morning would be uh, the time of salvation, Lord, that they would turn from sin and turn to you and that they would respond to your great love and that they would be born again into the family of God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us, God, and we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you may be seated this morning. And when we, when we read in this passage, right, we see uh, Peter preaching this first sermon. And when uh, he does that, right, the, he is preaching the gospel. He's preaching the, the greatness of Christ. And as the word of God is preached, the spirit of God is active. And we see just an incredible moment take place, right? We uh, see the spirit of God at work and 3,000 people are saved. 
3,000, right? The, the church uh, goes from uh, this group that, uh, of 120, and immediately, right, in, in these moments, right, we see the church grow to 3,100. And twenty, right? And, and and here's this birthing of the church. And this isn't some uh, random conversion of a few people. This is a movement, right? That is that God is creating. And the church, when we read about the mission of God and our call to go on mission and to be the light of the world, understand that the mission was not created for the church, but that the church was created for the mission. And God uh, does something incredible as we read this in verse forty-one. So then, those who received His word were baptized in that day. There were added about 3,000 souls. I love what Charles Swindoll says about this. He said, think of it. 3,000 new babies were born on the remarkable day of Pentecost. 3,000 untrained, untaught, ignorant, brand new believers with no church handbook, no guidelines, and no building to meet in. Add to that a hostile society that had taken an active part in the crucifixion of Christ, and you've got the makings of a superhuman task. Just baptizing them would have been a challenge, much less discipling them, much less uh, seeing them uh, grow in Christ. And you're going to see some really interesting things in verse 41. Uh, The Scripture says that they received His Word. The Scripture says that those that received His Word, right? So we see that they received His Word. Those that received His Word, they were baptized. And then we see that they were added about 3,000 souls. And I want to say that they were part of God's family. And I want to encourage you that if you are in Christ and you are a saved, born-again believer, I just want to say this morning, welcome to the family. Like, you look around, we're, we're family. You, y'all love that, right? We're family. And, and here's the thing, right? And we see that they go from 120 to 3,120. And the Scripture doesn't say uh, in, in verse 42 that all of a sudden, like, the 3,000 gathered over here and waited uh, for, uh, you know, somebody to, when they had time, maybe to connect and, and come over and begin to teach them uh, some things so that they could be part of their assembly. Or we don't read that the 120 uh, began to do these things. But what we read is, is that they were devoted, right? The Scripture says that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were. It, it was, there wasn't a differentiation from the old and the new. They became us. They, they were worshiping together. They were a family. God's family. And I'm reminded this morning, God doesn't say that we kind of resemble a family. God doesn't say when you look at the church that you can look at a family and you can get some ideas of maybe how things are supposed to function. The Bible says that we are a family. See, the Scripture says we're family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And when my son Grant was little, I'll never forget this, we were uh, in our, our traditional worship service and uh, little Grant was up there and, and I was in the baptistry with a young man and, uh, and Grant was kind of small and evidently I hadn't taught him much about the doctrine of adoption or any of these kind of things and so we're hanging out and Grant's in, you know, kind of watching from the, 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 the pews there and I'm up in the baptism and I say, and I baptize you, my brother. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And Grant, I didn't realize at that time, probably didn't hear another thing the rest of the service. And so we're on the way home. We're kind of cruising uh, home after that. And, and when Grant gets me alone, he looks at me and he says, Dad, I didn't know you had another brother. 
He was trying to figure this thing out. He's like, what? And what if? What if our understanding when we walked in this assembly next week? I've been reading a book by Barnabas Piper called Belong. And in this book, he says this. He said, instead of encountering greeters, coffee servers, acquaintances, and strangers, you encounter family members. Instead of encountering old people, young people, and peers, you encounter fathers and mothers and uncles and aunts, cousins, nephews, nieces, brothers, and sisters. And here's the good news. Even if you're new to church, even if you are a, a, a new Christian, this is a reality in Christ. This is who we are. And some of you are saying, yeah, I don't know about that because you're thinking about like family. And I don't know, I always tell people, and, and sometimes I, I laugh a little bit about it, but it's serious like because when we're walking through like premarital counseling and all that, I try to tell all the couples, I'm like, now listen, when y'all get married, when y'all get married, you, you, you were married to your beautiful little bride, but I want you to understand something. There's some family that comes with it. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? There's, there's family that comes with it, right? And, and, and we engage in those kind of things. And some of us look at our family, like we go to a family reunion, like, you know, I don't want to tell too many stories, you know, on my family, but like, like I, you know, I brought my wife to it to a family reunion. You know, there's a lot of family there, and, and I think it's with every family. Like every family's got a, a crazy uncle Ed or, or somebody like that, right? Y'all know it. Like everybody, y'all family ain't perfect, right? Because they're human. And this family, it's not perfect either, right? Because God is working on us. He's still working on me, right? And, and he is uh, in the process, right, of conforming me to his image. But if y'all are looking and you're saying, you know, my family's pretty good. It ain't got a crazy uncle Ed. You probably are crazy uncle Ed. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, I, they all have one. They all do. And here's the thing. Family relationships, when you get married, they're, they're, they're part of the family. And when it comes to the body of Christ and when it comes to being family with God, I want you to understand something. Sometimes you think, well, I, I ain't going to have to be family. Listen, this is, the, the Bible is not optional. It's not giving us like a choice whether we're going to be family or not. In this passage, it's interesting in the wording. The scripture says they were added. And, and there's something beautiful about this in the Greek, right? It, it's used here. The word that is, is translated uh, for being added, right, is in the passive voice. And so what that means is that the subject is not doing the work, right? It's something that is happening to them. And so there's this very interesting perspective, an interesting thing that we see here when the Bible says these people were added, it means they didn't add themselves to the church, right? And it says they were added by by our great God. They were added by someone. And the moment they began to follow Jesus, the moment they trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords, added them in to the family of God, to his family. And so I want to say this morning, welcome to the family. I'm sure there's some crazy Uncle Ed's. And you look at me and you go, I know which one he is, right? It's me. But here's the deal. We're part of the family of God. We're part of a community that is called the church. And God uses it for the glory of his name. It's good. Now, now, families have some different things, right? Families have some unique passions. I think about all the families in the rooms, and there's some, there's some different families that have different ball teams that they're fans of. That are, uh, I see, a, there's even a Kentucky fan in the back. I don't know how you got in here. <laughs> Love you, Brother Scott. I really do. And so, but right, there's all kind of different families. Right? I see, I, I see families regularly, right, in their in their Bengals costumes, right, and on every pose, they're like who day, who day, 
right? We, we have those kind of families, right? And sometimes we're connected. Maybe we wear the same jerseys. Maybe we do those kind of things. But I want you to understand that we are united in Christ. We're connected in community as the family of God. And the jersey that we wear is love that is overflowing out of an abundance of relationship with Jesus. And that love unites us as the family of God. That's the way that it's designed to be here. And so the church is a family. And what we see in this passage is the church is a family. And they're devoted to some different things, right? They're, they're devoted, first of all, to the Word of God. The church, us, we as a family, we're a community that is devoted to the Word of God. And when we read that Word, when we think about being devoted to something, it means that they gave themselves to something. This isn't just a, a moment that we're, uh, you know, occasionally maybe we're, uh, you know, we gather on Sunday morning for a minute and we open the Word of God and then we kind of go on about our life, right? This, they devoted themselves to something. They gave themselves to these things. Verse 42 they were continually, how often? Continually, right? This, look at this. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They, they were devoted to the word of God. We love God. This is who we are as a church. We love God. We spend time abiding in him. We spend time in intimacy with him. And out of an overflow of relationship with God, we connect with one another. Now, if you remember, when we think about abiding in Christ, last week we said that there's not this command. I used to think this. I used to, to, to really try, and I've shared stories about how I would try and try and try and try, and I would mess up and mess up and mess up and mess up. Right There's this picture sometimes we read, hey, we're supposed to bear fruit. The job is that we bear fruit, and we go and we try to bear fruit. But if we skip the intimacy with Jesus, what we find is that we fail in our own strength, but as the life of the vine is squeezed out through the branches, the Scripture says that we bear fruit, abide in me, and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. Now, it's interesting. When you think about bearing this fruit and we think about those things, have you ever seen a, a fruit tree? Last time we said we never saw a fruit tree straining, right? It's just happening out of an overflow. The second thing that you'll never see a fruit tree doing is eating its own fruit. Like, you never say, like, if I can get this apple out, I'll have enough nourishment to keep on going, right? The fruit is experienced and blesses others. And so the life of Christ being pressed out through its church, through the branches. It blesses, right? This fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness. All these things, they are pressed through the branches. They are, these people, they are, they are devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They're devoted to the word of God. But the second thing we see is they're devoted to one another, right? They're in fellowship with one Another. Now, I love this word, fellowship. Uh, you guys know that occasionally there's a Greek word. I just want you to know and know what it means, right? And so we all know to telestai, right? It is finished. Paid in full, done, complete, right? And here's another word that we want to know. Fellowship. The word for fellowship, it, it's a, a word that is quononia. And so when we read that word, uh, it is, and this is the first time, by the way, that it's used in the Scripture, we read uh, this word, and, and there's this picture of them being devoted to fellowship. And this word uh, is a word that sometimes we throw around in the church. Like if you go up the elevator or up these stairs, you're in the fellowship hall, right? We name stuff 
like that, right? Because we fellowship and we gather and we do those kind of things. But there's a, there's a deeper intimacy in this. There's a communion. There's a shared life. There, there's a partnership that we would see in this. And what we understand is that in this early church, we see that Christ had united them together. And so when we gather as the family of God, we as individuals, we share corporately life with Christ. We share the life of Christ in us. And here's what's true. The gospel is big enough to unite people from different socioeconomic backgrounds. The gospel is is big enough to unite different races, different people. And there's going to be a time where we gather around the very throne room of heaven, and there's going to be people from every nation and every tribe, and we're going to be worshiping and, and glorifying the King of kings and Lord of lords. The gospel is big enough. And these people in Acts chapter 2, they are focused on Jesus. And because they are united to God, they're united to one another. They belong to each other in Christ. Now, not only are they devoted to the word of God and one another, but we see that these people, they are devoted to worship. Look at verse 42, continuing, he says that they uh, were devoted to this breaking of bread and prayer. They knew what God had done, and they worshiped him. They, they took the Lord's Supper together. We're going to do that today. They, they would pray corporately, and, and God was moving. The Bible would say that those who were being saved day by day, that they were added to their number, right? That there's something beautiful that's going on. And as they are sharing life together, the mercy and the wonder of God, there, there are things that are taking place. And, and there, there's this awe and wonder at what God is doing. Not only do they have this shared life, but they had this shared wonder at the greatness and the glory of God. Look at verse 43. The scripture says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. They were, they were sharing their possessions. They were giving up uh, things of value to them, possessions and property. They, they were doing those kind of things and they were sharing with those who were in need. And you know, when we gather as the body of Christ, I, you know, a question that we should ask ourselves, are we, as part of the community of believers, are we contributing and helping to meet needs within the body of Christ? Is God using us in that way? Are we aware of any needs within the body of Christ? And here's something that can be experienced. One of the ways, and one of the primary ways that I see God use his people to meet one another's needs and to bear one another's burdens and to engage in that right, is through the connected small groups that are within our church, right? The reality that when we gather in this large group, and we're going to see that, that this early church, that they would gather in large group, and I'm so thankful that you come and gather in this place to worship God. But what we see is when we do life together in smaller community and we know one another, right, we don't know, like, like the people that are on this side of the church and the people on this side of the church, unless you've been able to connect, unless you've been able to talk, you don't know all the needs of these people and all the things that are going on, right? And, and so we see those things take place in the context of smaller community, right? There's this picture, right? Look at verse 46. The scripture says, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They were spending time with one another. They were fellowshipping and there was joy 
in that. Now, now if you are a, a mature saint, and I'll just, and, and when I'm talking about mature, I'm not talking about spiritual mature, I'm just talking about age a little bit. Like if, if you, uh, I, I don't know, you know, how to word, like our senior saints, or if you are somebody that would identify maybe as, as an adult, right? That, that's maybe, next week, uh, on Saturday, at like 4.30, directly above us in the Fellowship Hall, uh, a guy named Phil Waldrop is going to be with us, and Phil uh, is, a, is a speaker. He's spoken on Focus on the Family, does a lot of work, uh, just encouraging pastors and and uh, just engaging and equipping them for uh, ministry. He's going to be with our mature uh, adults. And so if you feel like you might fit that in some way, uh, it's just going to be a night where there's going to be a lot of joy and a lot of fun, and we look and laugh and encourage one another. You know, it's beautiful when we gather, and there Bruce Harwood is holding a smile sign in the back. Bruce, Bruce, I wasn't going to pick on him, but he is uh, maybe someone by age that qualifies as a mature saint. Um, Bruce, you can hold up the smile sign right there. There you go. Uh, so if you're, you know, like Bruce, you know, I would love for you to be part of that. Uh, there's a, a gym mine, which is kind of in the back of the children's wing. So if you come out of here and kind of go toward the office, uh, you can sign up there. There'll be some soups and things to do, but just a great night uh, of fellowship together around the Word of God and just a time uh, that we can experience uh, some joy, right? But these people, they spent time with one another. We see that they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Warren Wearsby says this, he said, the Christian faith, their Christian faith was a day-to-day reality, not a once-a-week routine. Why? Because the risen Christ was a living reality to them, and his resurrection power was at work in their lives through the Spirit. So they gathered in large groups. They gathered, but they also gathered from house to house. They gathered in smaller community. And so I want to not only ask you, how are you meeting needs within the body of Christ? How are you meeting needs of other believers in our midst? The second question is, are you in community with other believers? Are you in community? Are you in a a small group? Are you in a discipleship group? And sometimes you're saying, I don't know where to connect and how to connect. In in the back of your seats, you'll see a, a handout Uh, that says grow in community. And in that, it lists our Sunday morning small groups. It lists our Wednesday night small groups, lists some of our student uh, opportunities, lists some Wednesday night opportunities that are there. Uh, We also try to uh, play, I I call it de-harmony, right? We, We try to get groups of three to five, same gender believers, right? Uh, around the Word of God where we're gathering uh, in places all over the community. Might be a, a restaurant, might be here at the church somewhere, but gathering uh, around the Word of God in these real intentional uh, relationships that have accountability built into those and, and are connected in that. And so if you uh, have a desire to be part of something like that, uh, we think sometimes that best happens organically. So as you're connected in a uh, maybe a, a Sunday school class or a small group community, you can connect uh, maybe in, in some of those environments. But if you say, hey, I'd just like to be part of something like that, if you go to cowie.church forward slash disciple, uh, there's a place that you can put your information in. You can also email me or the church office and we'll help to uh, kind of match those things together, but I want to encourage you to try that because here's something you might be here this morning and you might say, you know what? I've kind of grown a little bit distant from the body of Christ. Maybe things have happened. Maybe there's some circumstances that, you know, that you look at and you say, man, somehow I've drifted in those environments. I I took the same coal last night and I'll show you a little video uh, of that, but you'll see uh, this coal kind of going back in the fire and there's something kind of cool. You'll see it there in the center and it's black for just a second, but it's not long when it gets back into the fire, when it gets back into that community that there's life. 
that there begins to be a restoration of things. And so we want to encourage you to jump back into those places. And today, as a family, we have the blessing of being able to take the Lord's Supper together as a family. You know, we come to this table, and in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul speaks of coming to the table in an unworthy manner. And so today, when we think about this, uh, this time that we will take communion together, uh, I want to think about a little bit about what it looks like to come in an unworthy manner. And, and when we think about that, sometimes we might think about just coming when, when this is more about ritual, when it's more about just something that we do rather than relationship and rather than, than really uh, reflecting on what God has done. And, you know, when we, when we think about it in that kind of, of place, right, and we come with love for God, right, the only reason that we can approach this table, the only reason that we can partake is not because of anything we've done, but because of what He has done. We come because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, because we have a relationship with Him. And, and when the Hebrew people, we would read that Jesus would say, do this in remembrance of me. And for those Hebrew people, this thought of remembrance, it wasn't just like, hey, we remember something happened in the past, but we are reflecting on all that God has done for us, on everything that was accomplished for us through the cross of Christ. We reflect on those things, right? We, we have love for God. We have love for one another. And there's this sense of, of renewing and repenting. And, and, you know, my mom used to say, you know, hey, before you come uh, to eat supper, right, you wash your hands and you clean up, right? We want to we wanna come to the Lord's table with cleanings, right, with a, with a pure heart. We, we want to have an opportunity that we might confess sin. Like if we have unconfessed sin and we know uh, that, that the Holy Spirit has been convicting us of things that we've been doing in our life, maybe it's things that have been hidden in secret. Maybe it's things that, that you think, you know what, nobody knows about. The reality is, right, that, that our God knows everything. And the scripture would tell us that if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and that he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? And before we approach the table, we want to have an opportunity that we might, that we might confess sin to the Lord, that we might repent of things where we've gone astray, where we've uh, went our own way, and that we might remember what God has accomplished for us. We want our relationship with him to be right. We want our relationship with others to be right. right. We want to deal with those things as the Holy Spirit convicts our heart and as we know of those things. So we want to have this opportunity, right, to remember, this opportunity to reflect. And maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I, I realize that I'm not part of the family of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, there's, I know I don't have a relationship with Jesus. There's Never been a time in my life where the Holy Spirit has convicted me of my sin and I've understood that, that I'm lost and that I'm separated from him. But maybe you're here this morning and you, you recognize that, that the Holy Spirit convicts your heart and you know there's never been a time where you've repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We read in that sermon on the day of Pentecost, Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? They responded, they received the word of God. They heard the gospel that Jesus had, had come and that he was, was God incarnate, that he had lived a sinless life and that in our place, 
when we take communion, it says we, we reflect and we remember his body that was broken for us, the blood that was shed for us, that it was in our place, the, the sinless, spotless lamb of God and the atoning sacrifice of God that, that he willingly laid down his life on a cross for me. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I've never repented of my sin and believed in Jesus. That word repent, uh, we, we read of that word and it's, it's not simply just a, an, an, a, an awareness that we have sinned, but, but it's this understanding that we have sinned and gone our own way and it's a change of mind that results in a change of direction. It's saying, I no longer want to go my own way. I surrender to you, Lord. I surrender to you as Lord and I follow you. It's a, it's a change of direction. Maybe this morning you recognize that God is speaking to you and you look to the cross and you would say, you know what? When Jesus died on that cross, it counted for me. I didn't deserve it. When we come to this table, we come and we don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be part of the family of God. We don't earn. You know, when I look at my life, there's a sense of awe that God would save me and he would allow me to be part of his family and he would allow me to pastor and that he would allow me to, to be used by him. He doesn't need me, but he's chosen to do that. There's a sense of awe. When we come to the Lord's table, there's, a, there's an awe that God would save me. We reflect on that. If you've never trusted him this morning, if you've never repented of your sin and believed the gospel and called on his name, we would love to pray with you this morning. And we're, we're going to worship together. The band's going to come. Uh, we're going to have a time that we can reflect, that we can pray in this altar, that we can make things right, whether it's from your seat or from your knees in this altar, that we might worship him, that we might look to him and recognize that it, it is only through Christ that we've been made family of God. And so we want you to be obedient this morning. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to just worship together. Father, we thank you for the blood that was shed. God, for the finished work of the cross that, Lord, is complete. Lord, that even while we were sinners, that we see your great love and that you died for us. Father, I pray, God, for every person in this room. God, for those that are part of your family already. God, those that have been born again, that have trusted you for salvation. God, I pray that this would be a time where they renew their commitment to you, God, where they would renew uh, their desire, God, to, to be obedient. Uh, and be used by you in service. Lord, I pray that it would be a time that they would be reminded of their uh, responsibility as part of the family of God, Lord, to, to, to spur one another along. And God, for those that have never been saved this morning, I pray, God, that you would convict them of their sin, that you would draw them in the power of their, your spirit, God, and that they would respond in repentance and surrender. God, that they would let it be known this morning that they have uh, been born again into your family, that they would call on your name for salvation. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us, God, and we pray you have your will and way in every life. In Jesus' name, amen.